Oh, uh, at least an edi- edible arrangement out of cupcakes, not the fruit stuff. That sucks. Or maybe hey, the, bacon the fr- roses. Oh, that would be good. But I can tell you, the fruit stuff is uh, sneaky good. Maybe you should try it one day, Travis. I don't want to lose you to a heart attack. Hey, I had oatmeal and apple for breakfast, I'll have you know this morning. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 19 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now, it's Fraser and Kura and John. I've been getting a lot of comments on uh, drunk general manager CFL trades. Uh, well, that is the only rational explanation, and I'm glad that because I was clearly in that room that I could give you the insight. <laughs> I was actually in the cab with Eric Tillman when he was uh, finished making the trade on a napkin. <laughs> and uh, the Two and Out CFL podcast studio is now again in my apartment. I'm actually wearing, uh, just an update, my Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, briefs, boxer briefs, whatever you want to call them. But that's all I'm wearing. No socks, even. Fantastic. Uh, I am also wearing my lounging shorts. And uh, with how bad they've played constantly, I have stopped wearing bomber gear. So I'm wearing a Saskatoon Minor football field uh, T-shirt. You have given up officially on the bombers? I have officially given up on the blue bombers, yes. Oh, no. They, they should have beat Calgary last week. Well, if they had a kicker or, you know... <laughs> It's well, it just, was a 54-yarder. But it doesn't matter. Look what the league percentage on 50... 60% is the league percentage on 54-yarders. I mean, it's just... And I get it. They got pushed back five yards by by a call. But it's just... It's years and years and years of frustration that I just... I just... You know what? This season is in the bag for me. Let's go Red Blacks. We're already off the rails. Let's get to the news. <laughs> In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. All right, so this week is uh, packed with news. Now, just before recording, it was announced that the 2016 Grey Cup would be held at BMO Field next season. I don't think that is much of a surprise. What I'm waiting for is when will the Grey Cup be? It was uh, last year during Grey Cup week. The president of the Stamps, presidents of the Eskimos, uh, were really pushing for the season to move up two weeks, starting in 2016. So are we going to see it in the middle or the end of November next season? Well, you know, you and I have had this discussion a couple times. You're of the old school that you will go through snow, sleet, hail, absolute zero to watch a football game. I'm soft. I like the season being moved up two weeks, so uh, it'll be really interesting. This is the first year that, you know, TS, the first full year that TSN doesn't have hockey, so it's not like, you know, they can cite a con- conflict with the Stanley Cup playoffs or anything like that. I would like to see it moved up two weeks. I am very much in that camp. To me, even games in Saskatchewan, especially when the team has been this bad this year, 
People stop going late in the season once it starts getting cold and miserable, especially if your team is not winning games. And let's face it, some markets need all the help they can get. I'd love to see it moved up two weeks. And uh, I I do think it's interesting how coy the CFL is being on uh, announcing this, on announcing the date. I'm okay with it moving up two weeks. I'm not okay with it moving up a month or six weeks. Oh, no, no. But even, even two weeks, like, let's, let's face it. You know, we're into uh, early October, late September now, and there's still some pretty nice days. There's some cool days, but, I mean, there's typically uh, still some sun and some pleasant football-watching days. Now, imagine if this, you know, was up two weeks, people would still be going to the games, you know, win, lose, or, you know, no matter how bad uh, your team is. So I've always been a proponent of it. I I agree with you. I think a month is a little much, but two weeks is definitely pretty cool. I did want to talk about Michael Sam, too. He came out... He had a statement, and honestly, when he came in, I had all the respect in the world for him. Now, I am just uh, looking at, you know, he was in it for himself, and he had some sort of agenda. I lost a lot of respect for him after coming out with his statement uh, over the weekend. No, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, what What he's done, you know, coming out and... And being the first openly gay professional athlete is absolutely courageous. But now he's out here saying, well, the CFL made me worse. No, Dancing with the Stars made you worse, son. You didn't spend any time getting ready for the season. And you are just another case of there's a guy coming from the NCAA or the NFL that didn't take the CFL seriously enough. These guys can play. You look like a jackass because of this right now. Because blaming the CFL for the fact that you're not playing, I hope he plays in the NFL. I really do. But right now, to throw the CFL under the bus and to throw the Montreal Alouettes organization that gave you a shot when nobody else wanted to be within 10 feet of you is is classless. I mean, it is just absolutely classless. I have all the respect for him as a person, but these actions for him as a football player, I just I don't respect it. It's funny because don't think that the NFL isn't looking at this and saying, why would I want this guy on my team now? And now it's going to be basically two years away from football. He's not going to get a shot down south. That is over. No, he will, though. I mean, he will because it's funny. He says, well, I never got I never got to play in the NFL because I came out as gay. I honestly think... It is the exact opposite. I think because he's came out as gay, everybody wants to support him and give him a chance and, and, and prove that, hey, you know what? We're all about loving each other. We're all about, you know, brotherhood and, and being good humans and things like that. You know, for him, so he's going to get more shots than, than your average guy because everybody wants him to succeed so badly. There's not a person out there that doesn't want him to succeed. I still think he gets another shot. I hope that he can, you know pick up the Montreal Alouettes and Jim Pop from the bus he just threw them under, maybe in a future interview or anything like that. But I hope for his sake the kid sticks, and I I hope he learns to, you know what, don't bite the hand that feeds. You could have just as easily walked out and said, you know what, the CFL wasn't for me. It didn't work. Thank you, Montreal, for giving me a chance. Yeah, it's funny because uh, when he first came in, people were thinking Cameron Wake and all this, but now he could not 
be more opposite than uh, Cameron Wake. He came up here, he dominated, now he's with Miami, and he's one of their best players on defense, and I've never heard that guy whine. So uh, <laughs> that's what I just think of Michael Sam now, Well, I'm, he's a I'm with you. I'm with you. For saying that the, the league doesn't develop uh, defensive linemen, Cameron Wake is the exact... I mean, Cameron Wake had a chance, is a star in the NFL. Sean Lemon had a chance to go down south. It's just, it it didn't work out. You weren't well. John good Chick might still be there if he didn't break his leg with uh, Jacksonville. Exactly. Had Chick not gone through a bunch of injury problems, uh, Alex Hall had a sniff in the NFL. Look at all these guys in recent memory that have had a chance uh, to prove themselves in the NFL. Other circumstances happen. Seems to be injury with almost every single one of them. But you know what? Sam just wasn't good enough. I don't think he ever really took the CFL seriously, and he admitted as much. Now, I think this is probably going to be announced as we record. Uh, it looks like the Montreal Alouettes have the inside track on signing Henoch Mwamba. The whole, that defense just gets a, a lot more scary. And I know a lot of Bomber fans were kind of thinking, why would he sign with us? Because we suck. I think it's clear that Mwamba wants to get the biggest payday possible. I don't know if Edmonton has the cap space to offer him, but clearly it looks like Montreal does, maybe because Michael Sam is now gone. Well, that's one part of it. All of a sudden you have $100,000 annually, uh, his reported salary coming off the books. I think with Winnipeg, uh, Ian Wild, and I get it, Mwamba's yeah. a Canadian, and I think Mwamba's the better player, uh, but I think the Ian Wild signing made it almost redundant. If there's one place on the Bombers that they're strong, it's linebacker. You look at Khalil Bass. He's emerged as a great player. Ian Wild is there now. Sam Hurl has really started to come about, really started to grow into that middle linebacker spot. And his reported salary is also, you know, in six figures. So for the Bombers, it just didn't make sense. You know, this is not a team that's on the verge of doing anything that, okay, maybe Muamba puts you over the edge into a real great cup contender. They're deep enough at linebacker. I think the Bombers are wise taking a pass. Uh, I think he's going to be really good when he ends up in Montreal because you're right. That defense, minus uh, minus letting Kevin Glenn pay, play pitch and catch on him last week, it, they've been absolutely lights out, and they will continue to be with Mwamba there, especially a ratio buster like that. Can Mwamba play quarterback? <laughs> that's that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, that's become a killer. I, I love everybody's ripping. I was watching pregame for that game, and Jim Pop said uh, before the game, "Yeah, I'm in a great spot. I got two number one quarterbacks. It's like back in the day, Tracy Ham, Anthony Calvillo, and then they go out and put five points on the board. Like, come on, you can't even make that comparison with Jonathan Crompton and Raheem Cato. You have two guys that have potential." Um, that rider defense has been thrown on the entire year, and neither guy was able to do diddly squat against them. Uh, yeah, Montreal needs a quarterback, and they need one bad. Uh, that, to me, should be the destination for Kevin Glenn. If Ken Austin is saying, you know what, we're not interested in bringing in Kevin Glenn, uh, I would, if I'm... <laughs> I'm the Riders. I'm calling up Montreal and saying, hey, what would you give us? Now, I know Kevin apparently wants to stay in Saskatchewan. He likes it here. But if I'm the Riders brass, you got to look at what you can get for whoever right now. It looks like defensive back Jaleel Carter is returning from the NFL. He got cut by uh, Minnesota. And it looks like he's going to sign with the Ticats. Now, Carter was awesome with the Argos last year. He's only 26 years old. So that's a big signing for them. But staying with the NFL, uh, Rod Peterson had sent out a... Well, he didn't send out a tweet. It looks like he had said it on his show. CFL News ended up sending out 
the tweet that uh, he really supports the CFL kind of being a farm league for the NFL. Well, and here's the beef I have with a couple. I'm not going to, I don't name names on this podcast, but there was a couple guys who absolutely went on Twitter and tore a strip off of Rod Peterson. Full disclosure, I consider Rod a friend and I consider him a mentor. We all know Roddy's a bit of a homer, but I mean, if you work for the writers, you're going to have to be a bit of a homer. And Rod has been just as critical as anybody else on his blog. So, like, come on, guys. Like, everybody make it relax. You're ripping a guy over something that he said that, to me, makes a lot of sense. I'm not in, in favor of the CFL becoming like the American Hockey League where you send guys down and, oh, you know, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are all of a sudden the Green Bay Packers minor league team and guys go up and down. But I would like to see the two leagues work together a little closer. I would love to see guys, you know, almost the way that AAA baseball works, that you can send a guy down and retain his rights or purchase a guy's contract in the middle of the season and move them uh, up and down. Now, I, I get a lot of CFL fans would hate to lose a star in the middle of the year, but could you imagine if there was some sort of agreement where NFL could loan players to the CFL? If you're Brett Boyko, you're rotting on the practice roster someplace, wouldn't you rather be suiting up in a game? And wouldn't it be cool if, you know, the NFL could say, okay, Brett, you're going to go down to the CFL for half a season, and then once their year's done, we'll bring it back up, and he's going to develop so much more playing games. I get it. There'd be complications with playbooks and stuff, but I would love to see a little bit more player movement between the two leagues, even in season. I guess I'm okay with that. When I think of NFL Farm League for the CFL, I instantly come to the conclusion that we lose everything that makes our game our game. Uh, the rules, uh, the Canadians, everything like that, and that really worries me. And, and that's why I think that there are so many diehard fans of this league that they can relate to it, and it had a very grassroots start so if if there i i do like the idea of a better relationship as far as maybe like contracts go yeah and uh, things like that because you know guys are getting released so they can go play down south or you know there's all the talk of the nag list and yeah. just complicated stuff i would like a better relationship that way for sure no, I'm with you, and I would hate to see the NFL come in and, and make it a true minor league with four-down football and losing the Canadians. Like, in my humble opinion, you know, the, you should there should be player movement allowed, you know, up and down for, for both teams in season and things like that, but don't change the rules of the, of the CFL. I mean, let's face it, uh, minus learning a playbook, you know, being a being a, a receiver or running back, you need to get your reps in, you know, even the linemen need to get your reps in so you can get better. There'd be injury concerns and things like that. But yeah, I, I would love to see some of these fringe, because I mean, you look, and again, I use like Brett Boyko, Brett Jones as examples here. I know Jones is injured right now, but Boyko's going to, here's what's going to happen to him. He's going to sit on a practice roster for two years. He's going to hit that cap you know, in the NFL where he can only be on a max a practice roster for maximum amount of time and is going to come to the CFL anyways. I, I would love to see a player transfer or a loaning agreement where, you know, the, you know, the Eagles can say, hey, Brett, we're going to loan you to Montreal for the rest of the year. We'll see you after November. Yeah, and th that is a very interesting, uh, I think. I I've always thought this that boxing and MMA takes a little bit of a different athlete. 
I think that the CFL and the NFL takes a little bit of oh, a different sure. athlete as well. Because here, I think it's more speed and finesse. Down there, it's more leverage and power. No, and, and you're and you're bang on. No, I, and I'm and, and there's all sorts of logistical nightmares. But I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm just saying though, like there's a lot of guys that could use some time for some games, but won't suit up in the CFL because. They have to go to the NFL. You have to pick one or the other. I would love to see some sort of transfer agreement. I mean, look at look at soccer globally. Guys get lent to other teams yeah. all the time. I mean, guys go from MLS to Ital- Italy to to Spain and then back to MLS. You know, where, where's the harm in in a guy moving around a little bit and you holding on to his rights? I think something something like that would be beneficial for the league, a true minor league. I'm with you. Would be it would be a detriment because you'd lose, you know, the Canadian ratio, the CIS kids coming up, and you know the real workman attitude. I'm with you on that one. Uh, news out of Winnipeg. I was actually kind of shocked by this. Robert Marv just announces his retirement. I guess that injury was pretty bad. Yeah, it must have been from the, from what he said in his press release or his comment or whatever he sent out. His injury was enough that it sounded like it was something he wasn't going to get over or would keep coming back. Now, I don't know exactly what Marv's injury is, but you look and he always seemed to be struggling with it all year round. Maybe it's a back, maybe it's a neck kind of thing. And he just said, you know what, for the $80,000 Canadian a year I'm making, this this isn't worth it. Uh, disappointing news for Bombers fans, as I thought he did show uh, some good potential. But uh, uh, Brian Brom should probably send him an edible arrangement uh, with like the chocolate covered <laughs> strawberries and stuff, because uh, Brett Marv retiring means that Brian Brom gets to stay in professional football to hold the clipboard for a couple more years. Oh, uh, at least an ed- edible arrangement out of cupcakes, not the fruit stuff. That sucks. Or maybe hey, bacon fr- roses. Oh, that would be good. But I can tell you, the fruit stuff is uh, sneaky good. Maybe you should try it one day, Travis. I don't want to lose you to a heart attack. Hey, I had oatmeal and apple for breakfast, I'll have you know, this morning. I had leftover steak and eggs, so guess who's the (laughs) cholesterol man now? Uh, Saskatchewan news. I was actually kind of surprised by the release of uh, Stephen Miller. I uh, there, there was a point in the season where I thought that he actually might be the starter. Well, and he was looking like it, but the Riders, again, because they're so thin on Canadians, uh, they uh, ratio-wise, they've essentially committed to starting Jerome Messam at running back game in, game out to help with their ratio. And that's uh, not a bad thing, let's be clear. <laughs> no, exactly. Starting Jerome Messam's a great thing, and then behind him, Anthony Allen is supremely talented, so to me, Stephen Miller was going to have to jump over not one, but two of the game's best backs just to get a shot. I mean, Miller to Anthony, to me, Anthony Allen is a superior running back to Stephen Miller. He proved that last year when he uh, really carried the rock for the Riders. So uh, I I hope Stephen Miller gets another chance. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I I don't think he's big enough to have the grind of every single game, but I could see him being a good backup and uh, change-up back for somebody else. I think that maybe Calgary could use him as a kick returner because, man, (laughs) they're down Tim Brown. Now they're down Joe Burnett, who really should be playing defense, not returning kicks. But the Stampeders actually traded Aaron Picton to Saskatchewan. 
for Randy Richards, the guy that clotheslined <laughs> Tim Brown. <laughs> Isn't there some irony in that? I wonder if, <laughs> wonder if there will be an apology at all. Like, hey, man, sorry for going <laughs> WWE on you. For a minute, like, I saw I saw a movie with The Rock in it, and I really wanted to give you the people's <laughs> eyebrow. The elbow was coming, but listen, man, I'm sorry. That, that to me, is the message from Randy Richards to... Uh, uh, to Tim Brown. Uh, this is a trade here. This is obviously a win-now trade uh, for the Stamps. They want to add a little bit of depth. They obviously see something in Randy Richards. Uh, the Riders still go very Canadian-heavy uh, along their line. The Stamps have been decimated with injuries all year, and I'm sure John Huffnagel will turn Randy Richards into a good old lineman, not a clotheslining maniac. Uh, for the Riders, <laughs> they get another hometown kid uh, who's been drafted, uh, I think it was like 58th overall uh, and more Canadian offensive. See, the Riders don't have that, that usual influx Canadian offensive lineman coming up. I think adding a hometown kid is never a bad thing. And from what I've seen from him at the CIS level, uh, Picton's a pretty good center. I do like uh, the hometown kids because they all, they all always have the off-season regimen of throwing bales onto the truck. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ain't like, that the truth? You, you know that it'll be like Labatt and Heenan uh, the past couple off-seasons just loading up bales. <laughs> that, that'll keep you in shape in a hurry. If Picton doesn't work on a farm already, uh, any of our listeners out there and they need a hired hand, go hire Picton because uh, he needs to get that good Saskatchewan upper body strength. It's a funny story. I, I went to uh, a couple of years ago when the Riders, cr- I think it might have been the Grey Cup year, when they crushed Hamilton like 35 nothing or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I ran into Ben Heenan's grandparents outside of Mosaic Stadium. Oh, yeah. And they were both wearing Heenan signed jerseys, and they were actually talking to somebody I knew. So I stopped there and... They're like, yeah, where's his grandparents? And uh, I kind of said, oh, you must be proud of your grandson. And then he's like, no, I lost a hand during a harvest. (laughs) (laughs) So they want him to come back. I wonder if his knee's good enough that he could be chucking bales right now as we speak. He could be. <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, he probably went down the NFL and they're like, well, how do you stay in shape during the offseason? Nah, I chuck bales. You what? <laughs> yeah, I work on the farm, chucking bales. Makes we me don't good. have any fields in New York. That's right. What? What are these? Bales? Like bale bonds? Like, are you Dog the Bounty Hunter? <laughs> if he grew a Dog the Bounty Hunter mullet, aw. Oh. That, I'd be uh, wearing a Heenan New York Giants jersey in no time. <laughs> oh, I would throw up in my mouth a little bit because nobody... <laughs> like, it depends. Does he perm the mullet? Like, if he perms the mullet, he loses credibility to me. But so, so it loses credibility? But what if it's bleach blonde like dogs? Also just makes me throw up in my mouth just a little bit. <laughs> the best, The best mullets were always in hockey. Because nobody, because yeah, no, nobody had a perm, like except for Yarmir Yager. I guess I'll make an exception to the no perm rule for Yarmir Yager. <laughs> well, I do think the best hair had to be Al Iafrady with the skullet. Oh and, yeah, uh, the Iafrady skullet. That's what I want to see on Ben Heenan. I don't think, I don't think Benny's got a lot of hair up top from the couple times I've met him. Not that I'm one to talk. Mine's all falling out quickly. <laughs> uh, but I think Benny needs an Al uh, Al Iafrady skullet going on. Or we can we call it the Kim Mitchell? Skullet? Oh, I think we, (laughs) yes, he's just doing his rock and roll duty.
chucking those bales, bales, bales. Some say I'm in it for the football. I'm ready to farm, farm, farm. This is the greatest thing we've ever come up with. Uh, Kim Mitchell and Ben Heenan uh, mix up. Does it, do we give him the old OPP hat as well? <laughs> yeah, so you got to wear the trucker hat to cover the skullet. Yes. It, like, the skullet's only officially revealed at, like, you know, black tie events when you can't wear a trucker hat. It's true. And then do you pull it in, like, a like a skullet bun, like a man bun? Or like or you, you just... can wear a bandana or a cowboy hat like Brett Michaels. That's true. You, yes, no, good call. Or the combo when you're super bald like Brett Michaels, you wear the combo, the bandana under the cowboy hat. <laughs> Don't pretend you haven't seen Rock of Love. I'm wondering if he... Oh, my... I can't believe we're talking about Brett Michaels, but I don't think anybody has seen him without a hat and or a bandana since probably 1979. So, does, do you think he has, like, extensions attached to this bandana that he just puts on and then he looks like he has long hair? I don't want to know, but I'm sure it's an absolute disaster up there. <laughs> now, somehow... Uh, we have to segue. I was, we were talking about the Stampeders, but they did sign uh, Brandon McDonald, who was cut by the uh, Red Blacks, basically for penalty trouble, because he is a good player. Yeah. And it uh, looks like the Stampeders bring him in with the loss of Joe Burnett, which uh, was unfortunate, uh, the tackle that happened on the punt return against uh, Winnipeg. But I do want to talk about the most important news item of the week. What's that? National Coffee Day. Yeah! I've had four today! Well, yesterday, well, was it Wednesday? Tuesday was National Coffee Day. And did you see what the Thai Cats did? Uh, yes, they made a Tim Hortons field out of donuts <laughs> and coffee boxes and coffee cups. Basically, I think they want us to now be the official uh, t- t- the podcast of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I, the song Take My Breath Away was singing in the background as I looked. Take my breath now, we were talking about edible arrangements earlier on. Now, that's my kind of edible arrangement, man. I would probably induct somebody into some sort of Hall of Fame someplace if that <laughs> showed up in my office. Like, even like a scaled-down version, you know, like a little one that looks more like the old Canada Stadium in Winnipeg. But still, you make it out of Timmy's, uh, you have my heart. The 2 and Out CFL Podcast Hall of Fame. Oh, see, who would be the first induction class? Could we make, like, bronze, well, not bronze, but busts out of donuts? We might be able to. Uh, they might just look like a donut with two extra, like, <laughs> eye holes poked in. A little they hair would look like Homer top. Simpson, basically. Yeah, everybody would look like Homer. <laughs> I really need to, you know, I need to Photoshop something up like this, I think. Yeah, busts. Make a bust out of uh, Kim Mitchell out of donuts. <laughs> All right, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Let's get to the fast say expose. Time for the fantasy expose on the two and out podcast. All right. So the first game of the week, Bombers and Stampeders, a game that actually prompted a statement from the VP of officiating 
And and I quote, here's how it went. Near the conclusion of last night's Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus Calgary Stampeders game in Winnipeg, an illegal procedure call had a significant impact on the game. A review of the call has concluded it was an incorrect call. The official who made it is being disciplined in accordance with the gravity of the situation. I'm going to quote Jay on right here. CFL officials, you blew it. They wow. blew it. And they admit it. You know what? I'll Kudos to the league for coming out and admitting it. But it doesn't change the fact that the Bombers, again, that still would have been a long field goal attempt at 45 yards. But you still kind of screwed the Bombers over on that one. And you really screwed it up. I don't know how you screwed it up when the receiver checks in like, hey, am I good? Am I good? Because... Every level I've ever been at, the official will scream like a madman if he takes a step and ends up going offside. It was just, that was terrible officiating, and I'm glad the league owned up to it, and I'm glad somebody is getting punished for it. Well, it was a weird situation, because usually on things like that, they they would call the penalty very early, but it was so delayed as to when it happened, it was. It looked like the bombers. Did you see the vine of it? Like I've actually seen the highlight. He checks in and goes, "Am I on?" And the ref goes, "You know, watch him nod and then throw the flag." Like, what are That's, you doing? <laughs> that is bizarre. Like everybody kind of expected this game to be a blowout, but the bombers were in it all game long. Just having a quarterback. Gives them a shot. Yeah, not having to, to start Brian Brom. And I'm, I actually really like how the defense is playing. Not only does the CFL have a Canadian leading rusher, they have a Canadian leading sack master. Westerman yep. gets himself another two sacks, so he's a fun player to watch. And and he's been he's been great. Uh, I always like to see uh, Canadians doing good things. Mo Leggett uh, had, had a big game. It'll be interesting to see uh, how Winnipeg looks defensively once Ian Wilde uh, comes back. He was on the roster uh, mostly just for payday purposes. Uh, uh, but it didn't suit up. I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. But same thing, Winnipeg, this has been their problem all season long. They can't run the ball or squat. They're quickly becoming a running back graveyard. Just uh, 10 for 29. He did have a touchdown yeah. uh, for Cam Marshall. Matt Nichols uh, was Matt Nichols. He was average. I mean, 18 to 28, 234, and two touchdowns, but no big back-breaking mistakes. Uh, Receiving-wise, him and Nick Moore really clicked. 9 for 97. Uh, Darvin Adams and Roy Colhurt uh, with the touchdowns there through the air uh, for the Blue Bombers. On the other hand, uh, Bo Levi-Mitchell keeps Bo levi in. 333 touchdown and a pick, John Cornish. Hey, look, John Cornish did good stuff against a, a team that's not great against the run. <laughs> Biggest surprise, 16 for 94, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, Markway McDaniel, it just seems like, to me, you can pick one of the Calgary receivers out of a hat, and one of them is going to have a big game. This time it was McDaniel, 9 for 159. Eric Rogers keeps doing his thing, uh, 3 for 80 as well. It was a weird uh, game for McDaniel because he only had a long of 33, which is a good thing because he didn't have like a 90-yard play there to inflate those stats. And it, was, it wasn't a flashy game he had, but man, uh, he put up uh, almost 160 yards. I was shocked. Now, there was another controversial moment from the game. Did you see the Eric Rodgers catch? No, I didn't because, like I said, I had fully given up on the Blue Bombers. I was watching curling and drinking a pitcher of beer. So I actually just watched the game Monday night. Um, Derek Taylor from Sports Center actually sent out a GIF 
on it. Uh, and is it GIF or GIF? I thought it was. You GIF. know, I I say GIF. Some people say GIF. Uh, how about but GIF? I, but, I, but I hear GIF and I think peanut butter. And then I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I want you to make that sandwich for me. Kura, go make me a sandwich. I'll be there in six hours, buddy. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'll be waiting so, for for my GIF and pe- and jelly sandwich. So, he, he, it basically, it looked like the catch was made, and the ball hit the ground, but he had control of it. And uh, I think so that, Derek, that should be an incomplete pass. And to me, uh, it it didn't look like the ground helped him make the catch. Uh, looked like he already had possession, and then it hit the ground. Uh, Derek is against it being a catch. To me, it, I don't know. It looked like a catch. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'll be honest. Like the, the the technicality of the catch rule is kind of confusing. Yeah, it, it, the ground can't help you make a catch, but and I don't it- think it did. It, it seemed like he already did have it, but that was another you know just controversial moment. From that game, a game that wouldn't have been controversial if the Stamps played like they usually do. <laughs> well, well, exactly. Like as as we all kind of, I all kind of thought the same same thing that uh, the Stamps were going to absolutely hammer the Bombers. I know they kept it a little closer, which was at least respectable. Means the game was actually exciting, but Winnipeg had to win that one. I mean. It, I don't. I can't see them. I, I can't see them getting into the playoffs. I just. I. I still can't. I'd be surprised if they did. And if they did, it's going to be a one and done situation. Yeah. So another loss from Calgary in the game to um, uh, Juwan Simpson. Basically, their leader on defense is out four to six weeks with a broken clavicle. So That's in, uh, it's incredible how many injuries they've sustained this year. They're still good. I last year too. It was. Yeah. It just shows how much depth that that team has, and uh, and kudos I think to John Huffnagel. Yeah, and I, I think his right hand man, I think, is John Murphy, right? Yep. And uh, he he has the big connections down south, and there's a lot of talk of him being the next general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, judging by the talent that they have in Calgary, as a Rider fan. I would welcome <laughs> that news. Yeah, I I would think so. I still think that job is going to be Jeremy O'Day's at the end of the the season. But I think yeah, Murphy's gonna he's gonna find himself a job and he's gonna do well. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, Friday or no Saturday uh, football. It was Esks and Lions. Man, I I sent out the tweet. Uh, a little too early, the Eskimos had to score two touchdowns in the fourth to uh, win the game, but the Lions looked like they were going to win. Jonathan Jennings, they have something in that kid. Yeah, they do. Uh, like all young quarterbacks, is going to be a little inconsistent to start. Uh, if you're desperate and you need to start the BC quarterbacks, at least, though, you have a puncher's chance. 18-30, 281, two touchdowns and a pick. Andrew Harris goes out early with an injury. No word yet on just how serious it is. 7 for 28 uh, before he went out. Manny Arsenault had another big game. 6 for 94. Uh, Hawkins, 3 for 80 and a touchdown. And Marco Iannuzzi, uh, 2 for 47 uh, with a touchdown there for your fantasy relevance. Adam Big Hill with a, with a big game. Nine yeah. tackles and the pick. Uh, couldn't quite pull off the double-double. That's, that's, that's all right, though. We'll forgive... Uh, 
and a big hill there. Meanwhile, Edmonton, uh, if you combined Watkins and McCoyle, there was a double-double there. Both had five <laughs> tackles. Watkins with a sack. McCoyle with a pick. J.C. Sherritt also five tackles there defensively. Offensively, uh, Walker is just, he's been unbelievable, continues to be unbelievable. Eight for 121 and a touchdown. Uh, Chad Simpson with seven uh, catches for 46 yards and kind of that check down roll. He also added 38 yards uh, rushing, the only rushing touchdown uh, coming from uh, Lynch, the backup quarterback, uh, six for twenty-two uh, with a touchdown. And Mike Riley quadruples his passing output: twenty-three of thirty-one <laughs> for two hundred nine, two touchdowns and a pick. Mike Riley hasn't really had the uh, chemistry with uh, Darrell Walker the way Matt Nichols and the way uh, James Franklin did in Edmonton. So this game was good to see for Eskimo fans. But there was a rough patch in that game for Kenny Stafford. And I think it was in the second quarter. I think he was offside... Two or three times in a row, but the Eskimos were on their, like, half of a half yard line. Well, if if you're going to go offside, at your half yard line is probably the best spot because they can only back it up half the distance, so. It was a rough little sequence there for the Eskimos, and at that point, I'm like, this team's imploding. They are not going to beat the Lions. It looked like they were in trouble well, uh, it, the whole game long. Just, again, not a real pretty game, but Edmonton figured it out in the fourth quarter. They finally realized, hey, we're good. Yeah. BC isn't. Uh, maybe we should try to win this game now. Willie Jefferson had an awesome game on defensive end. He had the two sacks. The, the forced fumble. And did you see does his... That, does that count as a double-double? Maybe. I, I, I think we should make it like like basketball, where the rules for the double-double... You know how basketball, you can have like points and rebounds and yeah, points yeah, and yeah, assists. Yeah, yeah. I think the double-double should be, you know, one of a sack... A combination of one sack, one interception, one forced fumble. Two out of three. If it's a 3-3... Three, three, we call it a diabetes special because a triple-triple is just <laughs> nasty. <laughs> well, that might be what uh, Macho Harris did. We will get to that game soon. Uh, we did get a tweet from Jade, our uh, resident Calgary Stampeders supporter, and he was uh, very critical of our uh, stat, the double-double. Jade, what are you doing, man? Come on. I used to like you. <laughs> uh, come on. it's We like coffees. We like Tim Hortons. It fits. You're absolutely right. It's one and one. What are you going to call it? A regular? Just doesn't sound like as much fun. You're right. The logic behind the double-double is absolutely terribly flawed, but the name's cool, so suck a lemon. We were never accused of being logical I know, that's in the our problem. thought process. <laughs> I, I should clarify, Jade, you're still a good dude. Uh, appreciate uh, all the things you've done for two and out. Uh, but go uh, grab a lemon, cut it up a little bit, and, and suck on it. So as for BC, Jennings might still get the start this week against Saskatchewan, but it looks like Travis Lule returning to practice. So we'll see what they decide to do there. Probably give uh, Jennings another shot at home at BC Place against uh, the Riders, who you don't know who is going to show up. No, I, I, realistically, though, for for BC, you're st- you need to win that game. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen to an entire province think they have a shot at the playoffs. <laughs> I like if you're BC though, you still got to worry about the long term health of Travis Lule. He's going to want to go in there. I think you start Jennings yeah. and keep Lule on the bench if he has a good week of practice, and maybe make a change if bad Jennings shows up. 
The Ottawa Red Blacks were booed off the field uh, <laughs> after the first half in Ottawa. It was too bad. They were down 24-10, but Toronto was just playing great football. Well, well uh, like how does Ottawa get booed off when they're down 10 points and Winnipeg's been down approximately a million at some <laughs> points and hasn't been booed off the field yet? Like, I guess everybody just goes to the rum hut and develops a sense of apathy because you're all stuck there for four hours until the buses arrive. Anyway. That shows that the standards have changed in Ottawa, you know, because yeah. they were kind of expecting uh, losses last year, and now, suddenly, they're expecting wins. And and they should be against uh, uh, Toronto, who's quickly becoming a bit of a rival. Uh, Trevor Harris, uh, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Brandon Winokur showing some signs of life, uh, 10 for 50. And again, uh, just those young uh, Argos receivers, uh, Gurley, 4 for 73. They just spread the ball around really well. Spencer, 4 for 62. Uh, Elliott with two, uh, re- two touchdown catches, 4 for 39 for the rest uh, of his game there. Now, uh, Hazleton was benched for this game. I think he's had three objectionable conduct penalties. He's had a taunting penalty. So I think they're just setting him down and saying, hey, think about this. Yeah, uh, clean relax. it up here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Elliot kind of does the same stuff. He looks like kind of a hot dog on the field at times. It was good to see Chad Owens get uh, that punt return, but he, um, for the most part, has not, has been a non-factor for the Argos this season. He's almost exclusively returning things. I mean, two grabs, uh, 33 yards. If your trade deadline hasn't passed, see if there's somebody in your league that'll buy high on the Flying Hawaiian. Uh, a double-double for Wright uh, with a sack and a forced fumble as well. And uh, I'm going to try Acapoglo. With two sacks? Okapalugo, I think. Okapalugo, or Oka. I think. <laughs> let's just call him OK Blue Jays, let's play ball with two sacks. <laughs> yeah, that that was good for them. I actually expected uh, for Burris to light up the Argo secondary in this game. He did, you know, have a 313-yard game, and he didn't look too bad. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it was bad, Henry, but 27 of 38 for 313 yards. Pretty well, sure it, most teams would take that. Well, especially when you're under constant pressure. Uh, I mean, there's four sacks there uh, from the Toronto Argonauts, usually a sign to me that, uh, hey, we're coming uh, and we're going to smack you in the mouth. Uh, Ottawa, uh, the one burst fumble, maybe people thinking, oh, yeah, it's uh, that's where bad Henry's coming from. Uh, Chris Williams continues to round into form, six for 101. Brad Sinopoli, Six for 69, but it was Greg Ellingson with the two uh, touchdown grabs there. Uh, Johnson, uh, very quiet game. That's probably part of the problems for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Nine for 32 uh, there defensively. Uh, some uh, Another name that is really hard to say. Kane? <laughs> yeah, Abdul Kane. Thank you. Uh, I really need my CFL pronunciation guide for this game right now. Uh, I have it. It's at the office, and I'm at home right now. So normally I have that, so I sound all smart and stuff. That's why today I sound stupid. I don't have the pronouncers in front of me. Well, you don't need the pronouncing guide to... Whoa! (laughs) Are we beefing again? Yes, I think it's official. All right, all right. Well, then you you start off on our uh, our last game there. Your riders actually winning and causing a whole province to get delusional about their playoff <laughs> chances, <laughs> including me. I, I do want to oh, say, oh, shut uh, up! You do not think they're getting in. You cannot be serious. Uh, 
<laughs> Chris Williams, uh, he had the 100 yards receiving, but they cannot get him going on special teams. He had a return there yesterday where it was close to being broken, but the guy, he never has any room. He, no. he can't get anything going, and that's not his fault. In Hamilton, they, uh, for some reason, John Daly can't do anything in Saskatchewan, and he goes to Hamilton. He's a, he's a genius, but he's not their special teams guy anymore. But uh, they uh, look great. Look at what Jeff Reinbold did as coach of the yeah. Blue Bombers. I mean, he uh, and now he's doing great things as the special teams coordinator uh, in Hamilton. To me, special teams is a real indication of just how deep your team is because you have a lot of guys out there that – especially the CFL, a lot of guys have to play specials at the same time while maybe being a backup defensive lineman or something. And it really shows if you're good at specials, it shows you have a deep team that's full of uh, lots of talent because everybody's getting on the field come special teams time. Yeah, let's go to that last game. No, I don't think the Riders are going to make the playoffs because they have to leapfrog BC, Winnipeg, and Montreal, which is it's just not going to happen. Well, well with 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 five games left, they basically yeah. they basically have to see. The thing is, all they have to do is tie Montreal. Uh, so they'd have to be. Yeah. I mean, if Montreal goes goes over, the Riders basically have to win every single game. They're at BC, and the Riders do have Montreal last game of the year. I, I don't think it'll come down to it, but the math says it. Could the likelihood says no? Well, when you look at it, they go at BC, someplace they haven't played well, even when they were good. Yeah. At Hamilton, we know what Tim Hortons Field is like. They have a bye week. Home to Edmonton, who's a good team. At Calgary, which is a good team. At Montreal, they have one home game left, and they need to win basically all their remaining five games. They face Calgary, Edmonton, uh, BC, and Hamilton in there. So really a murderer's row uh, with the exception of the BC and Montreal games in the middle of that schedule. I will say that Montreal actually did a pretty good job of shutting down the pass. Uh, Glenn only had 212 yards, which is pretty good. But in, he started uh, he started on fire. He did. I think the first play of the game was a touchdown pass to Rob Bag. So it, it was, uh, yeah. Bag finished three for sixty-three with the touchdown catch. Uh, but when they get the ball to Messam, it just makes things happen. The, like when you have fifteen carries for one hundred and eleven yards, and your long is fifteen, that means <laughs> you're basically getting ten yards a carry. He looked awesome well, in that and, game against Montreal. And when they mixed it up with Anthony Allen, he was 7 of yeah. 58. Like it, it it's just I know that's Jacques Chapeldane's MO and the the fact that he passes constantly really sets up the guys to run when they do get the chance to do it, but I think if going forward, Saskatchewan's got to take a serious look at, you know what, they gave their guys 22 carries. They should be getting a lot closer to that range. I mean, 31 passing attempts, uh, 22 carries for their two big backs. They have a ton of talent back there. And if they are to go on a miracle run, and maybe even looking into next year, because let's face it, they're kind of in next year mode, they yep. need to, you know, start running the ball a little bit. I was really surprised watching the broadcast how 
hard, if you will. The TSN crew was really on Weston Dressler. I mean, he was only 3 of 38. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, but they were saying he's open all this time and nobody's getting him the ball and he's got to make these catches. And it was really surprising because, to me, Dressler's been the higher soul of the, that rider team uh, but doesn't have the same chemistry uh, with, with Glenn or Smith that he had with uh, Darian uh, with Darian Durant, Jeff Knox Jr., seven tackles. But, of course, the big performer in this one was Macho Harris. Uh, much maligned Macho Harris, a guy who a lot think might not have a job next year because he was definitely a Chamberlain guy. Steps up, proves he's a gamer. Three interceptions, one of those returned for a touchdown. And I wrote about it on CFLPass.ca that Harris has been chastised all season long. Well, he hasn't, in, been, in, he hasn't been good. He hasn't. No, I mean, no, at and, all. And a lot, I think maybe two out of the three interceptions was kind of like a right place at the right time kind of thing, but... Good players get themselves to the right spot. Yeah, th- that's true, and I did write about it on CFL Pass that does Macho Harris have the best hair in the CFL? <laughs> I would say yes. I would uh, undoubtedly <laughs> say yes. Uh, now is well, Hugh O'Neill because he's got the hair and beard well, combo. The beard, and I've got the honorable mention going to Aaron Grimes as well. Oh, that's also that's also very good hair. <laughs> There's a lot of good hair there, in there, this league. <laughs> and we need more skeletons, we've decided as well. Uh, Montreal, Marc-Olivier Brouillette, one of my favorite guys to run in fantasy. Uh, six tackles and an interception. Uh, Montreal quarterback Carousel continues. Jonathan Crompton was very not good. 8 of 18, 97 yards, two picks. Rakeem Cato was only slightly better. 14 of 21, 170. He had a touchdown and two picks. Brandon Rutley really starting to take over that starter's job in Montreal. Uh, 16 of 73 uh, on the ground. Added three grabs for 45 yards. So over 100 all-purpose yards on the day. Fred Stamps with a touchdown catch. Nick Lewis the leading receiver, the yeah. big man. Uh, that's what we know as racking up stats in garbage time because the Riders are playing a soft defense and the big man just caught and rumbled through about three guys. They're just like, hey, Nick, just stop. game. Nick, stop it. The game. Nick, stop it. Damn it. The game's over. <laughs> oh, and did you see that play in the game when uh, Rakeem Cato stole the ball from... John Chick? That was the strangest thing ever to me. Like, what was that? Like, so, so that, that went. Well, it looked like it was tipped by Tyron Brackenridge and then Chick caught it and then Cato stole it. Which is funny because it technically goes down. Everybody thought it was kind of a Brett Favre that he completed a pass to himself. No, what happened? It was ruled an interception for John Chick and then a lost fumble for John Chick and a fumble yeah. recovery for Rakeem Cato plus you know the the yards uh that he rumbled forward after <laughs> catching uh the fumble recovery so a real strange play as you can see yes John Chick credited with an interception but then the fumble I love the look on his face though when you know his teammates were just giving him a hard time about yeah. just losing the ball there uh John Chick's a, a big man he's a great dude I can tell you I've, I've dealt with him lots uh you know, his, he just looked at the sky and went, oh, man, like, what else do I have to do? Like, and you, his teammates give him a hard time. So for the Riders, uh, happy that happened in garbage time, that we can all kind of laugh <laughs> about it. But, man, I love that play. Yeah, the, and to me, I, I'm really impressed by Rakeem Cato, who's still showing a lot of fight. Yeah, uh, he's, he's showing potential. He's just Montreal, if they're serious about making the playoffs, need to make a move for a quarterback. 
They need to they need to be like the riders where they just run the ball a lot. Uh, and I know Sutton was on the one-game injured list for this game, but it was a few weeks ago when it was just Sutton and Rutley, you know, just running wild. And if they do that, they can win some games, kind of help out uh, Cato, the young quarterback, a little bit. But uh, let's face it, I don't think any team's going to get out of Edmonton or Calgary from the West semifinal anyway. No, I'm absolutely with you, with you on that one. All right, let's get to the second edition of Getting Waxed with Brazilian Ty. Hey, it's Brazilian Ty with the second edition of Getting Waxed here on the 2NL podcast. This week, we take a look back at Sunday's game in Regina between the Owls and the Riders. Sure, Kevin Glenn threw for only 212 yards with a completion percentage of 45%, and with a TD and an interception. Drew Messam rushed for 111 yards with a TD, an average, again, of over seven yards per carry. But all that was overshadowed by Macho Harris. Yes, I said Macho Harris, who had three interceptions and capped that off with a pick six. Not only was the Riders' pass the on point, against the run, they only allowed 78 yards on 19 carries to shut down the Week 14's lowest-scoring team en route to that 33-21 victory, only their second of the year. Honorable mention this week for getting waxed. The officials in Winnipeg for the Stamps-Bombers game calling the illegal procedure call late in the fourth quarter, costing Winnipeg valuable field position after the receiver had already asked if he was onside. He was told yes, they still threw the flag. They come out, apologized that they were wrong, still doesn't put points on the board for Winnipeg regardless of that. Stamps end up winning that game by two on that missed field goal. Throwback for this week, September 30th, 2005, Lloyd Minster Comprehensive High School Barons laid a smackdown on the Bonneville Voyagers, 80 to nothing. Early in the second half, your very own Travis Curl, with the help of a certain intern, was able to procure a hockey stick and an old white gym shirt and take a page out of Roger Nielsen's book, raise the surrender flag, even though cheering for the home team, to no avail as they ended up scoring 11 touchdowns and a field goal in that game again, winning 80 to nothing. Don't forget to uh, send in any getting whacked comments or honorable mentions that you can find out there. Find me on Twitter at Brazilian Tie. Just remember to keep your wax hot and your strips clean. This has been Getting Waxed with Brazilian Tie. Now back to John and Trav and the 2 L Podcast. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 Out CFL. <laughs> All right, so the Argos on by this week. We do have Thursday night football. I think it's the last one of the season. And actually, I look at this week as the toughest week in Pick'em since probably week one. You, you uh, think so? I don't know. I'm having an easy time with this week. Okay, Alouettes, all caps. Who do you got? Uh, roll the Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, because I'm taking the Ottawa all caps. Uh, I think... Uh, Montreal's offense is not good enough to win a football game right now. Uh, the All Caps uh, offense will get past that Montreal defense. Uh, I'm going to take the All Caps, especially, you know, TD Place. It's a great place to play. Always take the home field when in question. I'm taking All Caps as well. Tim Hortons Field, Friday Night Football, Stamps and Tabbies. Uh, Bakari Grant looks like he's ready to return for the Tiger Cats. Uh, Joe Burnett, Juwan Simpson out for the Stampeders. Who do you got? Play it. You know the song I'm talking about. And it's not Horse With No Name this time. <laughs> you know what? I'm going Tie Cats too, so let's roll it. Like the time, I think the 
Sidecast. This is another case. Two really good teams, a great cup rematch. I'm just taking home field because I think Tim Horton's field is going to be a hard place to play. I think Hamilton needs a win to separate themselves from the rest of the East. Uh, it's it, it, Calgary's banged up working in some new pieces. Uh, yeah, that's why I think the Tabbies are going to win. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff Matthews will look uh, a lot better than he did coming in uh, relief of Caleros a few weeks ago. He's had the bye week. He's got a full week of uh, reps in practice now, and I think he'll show us that he actually can be an all-right quarterback. Now we've got a doubleheader on Saturday. Bombers home to the Edmonton Eskimos. Who do you got? I got to take the Edmonton Eskimos. Like I said, I've given up on the Bombers doing anything at all uh, this year. Uh, Edmonton is looking like a good team. Mike Riley, after a week where he forgot how to quarterback, uh, he is uh, going to continue to be improved, and I think Edmonton wins this one easily. I am actually uh, going the upset special in this game. What? Uh, Are you on crack? I don't like how the Eskimo offense has looked. I kind of like the Bomber defense, and the Eskimos don't really have much of a running game right now. And the Bombers were basically, well, they almost beat uh, the Calgary Stampeders. So, uh, wow, I think I'm, it's... I'm, I'm surprised. I think uh, we need to play a little BTO in honor of... Uh, of you saying that Winnipeg's <laughs> going to win. I have no issue with that, man. All right, second half of the doubleheader Saturday night. Uh, Riders and Lions, this one, I could flip a coin. I That's how I decided this one. Uh, I'm taking the BC Lions. Again, Brazilian Ty is one of the best pick'em players in Canada. He does so by picking against the... Saskatchewan Rough Riders every chance he gets. Let's go with Vancouver's Matthew Goodband. A little load me up for uh, for the musical pick edition of this one. Now this sounds weird. I feel like if Lule plays, the Riders have a better chance. I know that sounds in, insane, but uh, I thought Jennings looked really good, and I think that the Rider defense wouldn't be able to contain him because uh, that guy can, when when they move the pocket, he just makes things happen, and he did it against Edmonton. So, uh, I, I just, you know what? I I don't see the I don't see anybody coming up with another three interception game. Uh, Jennings no. or Lule here. I think BC is going to win this one. I think Andrew Harris is going to have a big game if if he plays. Uh, if not, maybe uh, maybe they're sneaking like a second or two of the Sheepdogs for the little bit of hope that the Riders still have. Yeah, the Harris is questionable with a rib injury this game. He got folded up pretty awkwardly against Edmonton. You know what? Yeah, I'm going Riders. I'm going to go with my heart. I, I thought I would stop doing that by week 15. Wow, you think you'd I'm learn. It. No, I, 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 uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So <laughs> let's go Riders. I'm picking roughies in this one. All right, that does it for episode 19 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I can't believe it. Next week, episode 20 already? Who would have thought we would have made it that long? You know who didn't? Boss man Grant. We beefing now, Grant. I was just going to say that. What did he give us? Like a month? Uh, Knowing we both worked for him, he probably gave us like a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) He figured we'd be halfway through an episode and just hate each other and get in a fight and then be like, F it, we're done. Well, we're not in the same room, so uh, that helps. It's true. (laughs) I don't have to smell you. (laughs) 
That does it on Facebook, Twitter, Tune Out CFL. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>